Welcome to No Clear Answers, where we explore the, ca- the common challenges all humans, creators, and leaders face and break down preconceived notions of common self-help ideas. And we're your hosts. I'm Ricky Goldenberg. I'm Corey Wilkes. And I am Justin Mulvaney. <laughs> this is already going so well. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to do it once more? I'm fine to keep rolling with it. I like it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So what are we talking about today, y'all? We... Episode one, and we wanted to start with a favorite of all of ours, which is imposter syndrome. <laughs> so, favorite? <laughs> uh, favorite of a lot of the people we work with, I think. Um, so Merriam-Webster, definition of imposter syndrome, a psychological condition that is characterized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite evidence of one's ongoing success. So doubt around accomplishments, fear of being exposed, despite evidence otherwise. Uh, And imposter syndrome, right, did a little Wikipedia search beforehand. It's actually a fairly new term. So it was introduced in an article published in 1978 There were two psychologists who coined this term, um, and the paper was actually regarding imposter, it was called the imposter phenomenon in high-achieving women, dynamics and therapeutic intervention. So basically, these two therapists surveyed over 100 women. Most of them were folks that they worked with. So uh, one-third were involved in psychotherapy for reasons beside imposter syndrome, and two-thirds they knew from their own lectures and therapy groups. all of them had been formally recognized for professional excellence, academic achievements, uh, educational degrees, standardized testing scores. But despite this external validation, they lacked internal acknowledgement for their accomplishments. So they would either attribute their success to luck. Some believe others overestimated their capabilities. And it actually originally started in what's kind of a relatively small sample size and specifically high achieving women. Can I tell you something interesting? Please. Recently, like in the last couple of weeks, there was an article that came out with those individuals, the individuals who like first coined it and how they themselves are even questioning the way that we use the term imposter syndrome. And one of the things that came up is because of this small sample size, it really took on a lot of people feel this. And one of the things that came up in that conversation, which is its own thing that I think is really interesting is the idea of like, Sometimes it's not imposter syndrome. Sometimes what it actually is, is lack of privilege. And so there was this whole really interesting article that they wrote about the idea of like, oftentimes, you know, you're feeling this imposter syndrome because you're like, you know, I feel like I'm fraud. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like, you know, I have these achievements, but like, I'm not really getting what I want, yada, yada, yada. And so they were like, one of the reasons why it actually can be complicated to use language imposter syndrome is because sometimes it's not that you're an imposter, it's that you're actually you are being treated like an imposter because you're not white, cisgendered, male. And so sometimes like that feeling of imposter syndrome is actually awareness of the actual situation that you're existing within. 
mm-hmm. and the biases mm-hmm. that you're facing, which I thought was super freaking interesting because you were talking about this and I was like, oh yeah, there literally an article came out. I think it was in New York Magazine or The New Yorker like a couple of weeks ago that I was just reading about this topic, which I thought was super interesting. Fascinating. So that points a little bit more to external factors contributing to it. I, I the game I want to we want to play here though to kind of kick us off now. So everyone here is a coach. And what I want to know is somebody comes in and they say, hey, I'm here today. The issue I want to talk about is I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. What is the first thought? What are the first thoughts that goes through your mind when somebody says the thing I want to work on today is imposter syndrome? Bullshit. But that's my reaction most of the time. Because typically whatever somebody comes to you with for coaching, whatever they claim they want help with is, is like the surface level shit and not the root cause. Right. So like, and the, so that's why like the majority of the time, like someone's like, Oh, I'll be more productive or work on my perfectionism or posture. And I'm like, in the back of my head, my, that my first thought is always bullshit. That isn't what the fuck you want. Like there's something deeper that you actually want help addressing. Right. This is a symptom of something much, much deeper, but Let's pretend it is imposter syndrome. I'm always going to try to get the context behind it. Like, when does this pop up? When did it start? Right. And again, mm-hmm. like this is, you know, for me going back to like my therapy days, right. Of like doing a, a full assessment and, and essentially low key diagnosing, like looking for diagnostic criteria for various things. Right. Obviously I'm not diagnosing them with anything and imposter syndrome isn't a fucking disorder, like a diagnosable thing that's pathological. It's a relatively normative human response to something, usually a comparison, right? So like Ricky, you had talked about that article basically saying my, my perception was that for minorities, imposter syndrome is almost like a, a contributing factor to like minority stress and things, right? And minority Mm -hmm. stress is, is a huge fucking issue. Um, so that could be an aspect of it, right? But then I also know plenty of people who are in, you know, the majority, quote unquote, like white, cis, straight, whatever, all those things who also experience it too. So it's always, I'm always going to figure out like, who are you comparing yourself to, right? Because typically, <clears throat> fundamentally for me, imposter syndrome is when you feel like you don't belong in the room, whatever that room is, right? Whether it is, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not a good enough coach, or I feel like I'm not a good enough writer, or I'm comparing myself to these, to these entrepreneurs or to these other people or, or to my mentors, my supervisors, whoever these people are compared to them. I suck compared to them. I, I do not belong in their company because they're so much far further ahead of me. And if I pretend as if I do belong in this room, they are going to know I'm pretending and I'm not qualified to be here and I will be judged accordingly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's usually how I see it. Like mm-hmm. fundamentally, you feel like you don't belong in the room. So with that, my line of inquiry is going to be figuring out like, why don't you feel like you belong in that room? Mm-hmm. How are you comparing yourself to others? And Just are the me. people you're comparing yourself to worth giving a shit about in the first place. I like that. I want want to repeat that, which is like the people that you're comparing yourself to, are they worth giving a shit about? Which I think is important. 
Justin, I want to hear from you. Mm. When someone comes and says, I am suffering from imposter syndrome. What do you say? In my initial, yeah, my, my, (laughs) my initial response is very similar to Corey's. Um, it's a little, it's less of a bullshit, a little bit more of like an ick, which is it, but it's not my response to their experience. It's my response to the fact that it's now gotten put in this category that is imposter syndrome, mm. right? Um, cause imposter syndrome is this similar to what Corey said. It's this super generalized term that's out in the ether. You can't actually point to imposter syndrome. It's a concept. And especially for my experience working with leaders, normally the imposter syndrome is this, the label of imposter syndrome getting used is a symptom of something very specific that's happening inside of them. And so for me, very quickly, I want to try and get away from this label of imposter syndrome because it's actually getting them away from what's actually going on for them. And I want to like start to parse aside, well, what's the story and really this is where Corey and I differ a little bit. I want to get to knowing like what's the emotional landscape that's happening underneath it. Because for me, normally, if, if I were to trace back what's happening for 80 to 90% plus of the leaders I work with, they're saying they have imposter syndrome. But if we look above below that, there's a story of self-doubt. I'm doubting myself. And if we look a layer below that, there's fear there. And really what's going on is there's some fear there. And I, I, I want to go right into the heart of the fear because the self-doubt is just a story that comes up on top of the fear. I'm afraid and I shouldn't be. And then imposter syndrome gets kind of put on top of all of that. And so for me, really what I want to go into is, ooh, what's really going in? Honestly, if I were to cut to it in one question, I would just go, what are you afraid of? And then play in that landscape as much as possible. I like it. Ricky, what about you? Mine, when someone comes to me and says, I'm feeling imposter syndrome, my response is not bullshit and it's also not ick. It's welcome to the fucking club. That's literally how I feel. I, whenever people come to me and say I'm facing imposter syndrome, because a lot of times there's this feeling of individual, like it is me, there's something wrong with me. And so my favorite thing about imposter syndrome is the realization that like the numbers basically say, yeah, you and everyone else at the freaking party is experiencing this. So there's these two different things that I love to examine, which a lot of it's around validation and understanding that like, if you are feeling this way, first of all, everyone else in that freaking room is feeling that way in some capacity. Right. And the second thing, which is like maybe my favorite thing to talk about, because a lot of the folks that I work with are usually around like trying something new. They're usually kind of in this like growth edge space. And so my favorite thing about imposter syndrome is that it's a demonstration that you are pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. If you constantly feel like, oh, I've got this, I can do everything. It's like, you're going to be bored. Whereas if you're starting to feel like an imposter, oftentimes it's because you are transitioning into a space of the unknown. And so There's like this funny thing, like when someone tells me they have imposter syndrome, part of me is like, welcome to the club. And part of me is like, hell yeah, you do. Mm. Because if you have imposter syndrome, like, ooh, now we're playing. Like now we're actually playing hard. As long as it's not stopping you from trying things, which if it's doing that, then it's a whole different conversation, right? But if you're coming in and you're like, I'm going to do something for the first time and I'm nervous and I'm scared and I don't know if I can do it. And I feel like an imposter and I feel like a fraud and I feel like I can't do what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, good. Because now we're trying something. 
And so that's how I feel. So Ricky, for you, mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing or what I'm kind of extrapolating from that is, is kind of the primary work for you when you hear somebody saying, hey, I'm really struggling with imposter syndrome is to actually tr like the image I have is flipping a light switch from that's a bad thing to hell yeah, this is actually a good sign. That's how I feel about imposter syndrome 99% of the time. Like I said, there are those cases that individuals are feeling it so strongly that it's impacting their ability to move forward or to take action or to like exist in their current workplace. That's a different situation. That is, that's beyond imposter syndrome. That's literally like, I feel like I actually am a fraud rather than I feel like I'm a fraud, which feels very different. You know, fraudulent is like, I'm trying something new. I haven't done this before. Whereas I'm like waiting to get found out. It's like, so is everybody else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love, I love shifting imposter syndrome into the recognition <clears throat> that you have chartered into unknown territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I, I find for me, with leaders and specifically startup founders and a lot of first time founders, the imposter syndrome is the type two. So the 1% you describe where it's actually in hampering their ability to function is very common. Right. And oh, so really, yeah. And so to look at them and be like, Ooh, this is a good thing <laughs> is a bit like, well, yeah, sure. I, I know, I fucking know I'm out on a growth edge here. The, the thing is I'm so far out, far out on this growth edge that I'm terrified and I'm confusing myself and I don't know what move to make. Mm. And that's like where the story that I'm a fraud comes in because it's like, ooh, if I weren't a fraud, I would know what to do here. And that's actually a, a common edge that, I explore, especially with the folks I work with is, do you think somebody actually knows what to do here? <laughs> Who I, knows? Who knows what to do here? Who would come in and go, this is exactly what you need to do and be right. But that's actually what I love about imposter syndrome, because the way that I think about it is like imposter syndrome can also just be information that it's like, okay, I don't know what to do here. And what you just said, I think is really interesting is like, maybe there is someone who does. Should I go find them? Should I go talk to someone? Is the reason why I'm feeling like an imposter is because I don't have enough information or education for myself that I need to go like work on that thing to learn more about? Have I put myself outside of my comfort zone in a way that I need additional support or learning? Maybe. Uh, yeah. So looking for the intelligence in the imposter syndrome, which I want to hear what Corey was going to say. I've got something yeah, yeah, to go jump ahead, off Corey. you, but Corey, where were you? No, you're good. It's just... <clears throat> thinking about like the different audiences we serve and how that also changes our approach and perception of imposter syndrome. So like I work a lot with like content creators and things, either <clears throat> people who are newer to the content creation game or established creators. And with like newer creators, there's imposter syndrome in that they're comparing their brand new YouTube channel or their first few articles to their favorite writer or their favorite YouTuber with a team of 10 people and like, like high professional, you know, cameras and, and editors and all this other shit. And it's like, you, you can't compare yourself to Gary V or Sean Cannell or Ali Abdal or, you know, Matt Diavella or whatever, when you're starting out with, you know, a hundred dollar camera or a webcam or some shit. So to them, 
they're comparing th themselves to their favorite creators and saying, I don't belong in that room. I don't deserve to call myself a creator or to call myself a writer or an entrepreneur or whatever, because my, my perception of what a creator is or what a writer is, is this person. And I am not that person. Right? <clears throat> so one of the things with those newer creators we work on is changing that comparison, right? Of instead of comparing yourself to other people, <clears throat> focusing on, what type of creator do you want to be? What content do you feel is valuable? Who are you trying to help? Right? Because in psychology, we have these things called upward and downward social comparisons. An upward social comparison is when I compare myself to somebody I perceive to be better or further along than me in whatever category I'm doing, right? Money, fitness, content creation, whatever, craft, whatever. A downward social social comparison is when I compare myself to people who I perceive as behind me, right? So people I'm trying to help or bring up or whatever. Now, if you only do upward social comparisons, then you will always feel inadequate. If you only do downward social comparisons, you'll just be a narcissistic prick who thinks you're, you know, king shit all day, every day, right? The trick is to find a balance so that you look at people that push you to strive to be better but then also look backward to see how much progress you have made. Right? So that is one of the things that I work with, with creator clients on is how can you quit only doing these upward social comparisons and instead focusing on your own internal reasons for doing this and trying to, you know, embrace an iterative mindset, getting a little bit better every day and tracking that progress. Right? So that's just, it made me think like, depending on who you work with, that changes how you approach an issue like imposter syndrome. Yeah, Corey, as you were speaking, it reminded me of the theories of adult development or adult phase, stages of, of, of mind and how one of the first big shifts, right? Most of us get to the point where we get to a socialized state of mind where we take our our values, our goals, the way of thinking we primarily inherit from the people around us. And one of the first major shifts that actually, I, I think the research and some people challenge the adult development research, but shows a, it's not a huge percentage of people who get to the next stage, which is self-authored, which is I have created, I have determined my own values, my own purpose, my own goals, instead of inheriting them or mimicking them from the people around us. And so when I hear you speak, I hear a lot of the work, which I know you do with values-based work and things like that is getting out of who should I be based on the people around me and shifting to who do I want to be? What do I want to be creating in what I do? Um, I also find that to be really important for the folks I work with, startup founders and leaders, because so many of them have just taken what leadership means and what they're supposed to do from all the fucking tweets and books and stories around what you're supposed to be creating as a startup founder. And a lot of the work can be deconstructing some of those notions and uncovering what's actually here and what do you actually want to create here? Agreed. Ricky, what about you? <clears throat> I'm just thinking, I love how these things are so intertwined, right? Like we start by talking about imposter syndrome, but I'm hearing what we end up talking about is comparison the way that we think about our values, the understanding of like where we are in our journey, continued iteration and development and trying and risk. And so 
It makes me come back to Corey when he says bullshit when someone says imposter syndrome because you're like, there's more there. And, but I think that imposter syndrome, the the benefit, like I'm going to stay here, which is, I think that one of the best parts about imposter syndrome is that it's, it's language that we all seem to think we understand. And from there we can then dive deeper. And that's actually why like, it doesn't necessarily give me the ick or make me say bullshit because I'm like, Inherently, when you say imposter syndrome, it's the idea of like, I am not enough. I am not enough right now. And so then you really get to play with what is enough? Like, what's enough for you? What does enough look like in the space that you're working in? And so if I think about the folks that I work with, because I feel like we're all talking about the folks that we work with. If I think about the folks that I work with, oftentimes I'm working with people who are in like their 30s, their 40s, individuals who are basically reevaluating their relationship with like, what is work? What is life? How do these things intersect? And so a lot of times imposter syndrome comes up with this idea of enough. Like what does success look like for me? Where do I want to be challenged? How far do I want to go? A lot of the folks that I work with are deciding like, do I want to take a step from C-suite over to starting something on my own? Do I want to work for myself or actually go back to C-suite? Do I want to be VP? Do I want to keep climbing this corporate ladder? Do I want to make this shift? And so imposter syndrome, part of it is this idea of shifting into the unknown. And then a big part of that is actually a lot of like, Comparison, ego, expectation, hubris, all that good stuff. So, I don't know, man. I like imposter syndrome. I love talking about it because I feel like it's like, it's one of those things that if you're talking about it, we're we're, we're getting to, to play a little bit more. Like if you shift imposter syndrome into information, and I guess, Justin, that doesn't work for the folks that you're working with who are like, no, I really am an imposter and I need assistance. Like this whole thing could go under if I don't figure it out. Then it's information and it's like, all right, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, I think it's always information. I actually like what you're pointing to, which is, hey, if if we can be honest and say, I'm experiencing imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Even if that's really imprecise language, even if mm-hmm. that, that is a useful first step to, well, what the fuck is actually going on here? Right. And for a lot of my folks, again, like I said, imposter syndrome for a lot of leaders, imposter syndrome is pointing to fear. And that fear also has a real intelligence and information, right? I can't talk to tell you the number of times where somebody comes in claiming something like imposter syndrome. And when we dive into it, I'm reminded of what Corey said earlier to like, what's actually going on here? There's actually something incredibly specific going on. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I need to figure out my product roadmap and I've never done that before. And I'm terrified that I'm going to screw it up. Or I need to have a hard feedback conversation with this person and I'm terrified they're going to quit if I give them this feedback. And something incredibly specific suddenly got abstracted all the way up to it's imposter syndrome and I suck as a founder and I suck as a leader and all these things. Yeah. And if we can get specific with what's really going on here and find a cleaner issue, it's like, well, we can figure that out. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me you think you're an imposter and don't belong in this room because you're afraid to have a hard, your first ever hard conversation with an employee. And also, by the way, you're making the fear a bad thing where maybe the fear, again, is a great thing. It's saying, pay the fuck attention, right? You're, you're new at this. Pay attention. And so, yeah, I, I think I, I really resonate with this vein of like imposter syndrome is an intelligence. It is information. And if you can just look to what it's pointing to and kind of keep following the pointers, 
there's usually a pot of gold at the end of it. Oh. <laughs> Ricky liked that one. I did. <laughs> I was like, ooh, rainbows. Um, yeah. So one thing with, with like me and my background for people who aren't overly aware of what the fuck I do and where I came from. Um, so long story short, I grew up like poor, right? Like food stamps, public housing, that kind of thing for like the American listeners and viewers, you know, we had Medicaid, which means you're super fucking poor. If you get free healthcare in the U S right. Other countries are like, you don't have this. America's like, no, not unless you're super fucking poor. So like, I got that, right? Like I remember getting like church donations for like, for a fucking Turkey for Thanksgiving and shit. Right. And, you know, got, went to grad school, did the, the psychology route, all that other stuff. I never had any business training. I never had any training in, in writing for like a non-academic audience. And in 2020, I lost my job due to like pandemic related bullshit. Um, and again, long story short, could not get another job doing therapy. So I decided to kind of leave that part of my life behind and venture into entrepreneurship, creating content and doing everything that I do now. I had no business background. I knew no entrepreneurs, right? I didn't know how to write for regular people. I, I had none of this, but I never had imposter syndrome. And the reason for that isn't because I'm a narcissistic piece of shit who thinks I'm king shit. <laughs> the reason the, like the sole reason I do not have imposter syndrome ever for anything that I ever do is when I was in grad school, we did a, a, an outreach event for people experiencing homelessness. I'm, I'm from West Virginia. So we did this outreach event in December. So it's cold as fuck. So people experiencing homelessness, they could come to this church parking lot and like the, the school of psychology, we were there to offer therapy. Nursing students were there to, and, and med students were there to offer like medical shit, medications, clothes, anything people needed, right? It was just the community came together, both the schools, supervisors, everybody else came to help these people. And I remember walking up as like, just like a therapy grad student. And I went up to two of my supervisors and I was like, these motherfuckers are experiencing homelessness. They don't need deep breathing exercises. Like they're fighting for their fucking lives in, in below freezing temperatures in rural Appalachia. Like we don't have good resources on a good day, let alone when you're experiencing this shit. I was like, I haven't, I don't belong here. I don't belong in this room. And I went up to two of them, two of my supervisors who between them had 50 years of experience. And I said, when does this feeling like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Go away. And they both looked at me and they said, we'll let you know. Meaning even them with 50 years of experience between the two of them had no idea what the fuck they were doing. That was the day I never had imposter syndrome again, because I'm like, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody, like nobody fully knows what they're doing. The only people who claim to fully know what they're doing are full of shit and selling you something. And that is the hill I'll fucking die on. Like, <laughs> Yes, you may have confidence in your abilities, but I know nobody who fully 100% without reservation is like, I know exactly what I'm doing and there are no questions or insecurities. It just doesn't fucking exist. So that's why I was able to, to push into entrepreneurship and created content when I had no background, when I grew up fucking poor, also the shit. All of those are, are steps that 
imposter syndrome could have stopped me and said, you don't belong here. You can't be an entrepreneur. People like you, people who sound like you or look like you or are from your hometown can't make it in business or can't make it as a writer or whatever else. But the reason, I mean, and obviously I had, you know, support system, whatever, but the reason mentally that imposter syndrome didn't stop me was because I had that reframe of nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. So it's okay that I feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing because I will figure it out. And that's one thing that I work with clients on is like, you're allowed to say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but don't make it a period, make it a, a comma or semicolon, whatever. I'm not a grammar person, but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. That to me has been the most powerful reframe that has gotten me through everything in life since that moment. Yeah. Yeah, Corey, I want to piggyback off of the thought because I <clears throat> can already hear some people go, well, some people know what they're doing. <laughs> and the the model, one model I really like for this, and I, I'm hesitant to throw in too many frameworks, but I'm going to use this really quickly. Um, <laughs> it's called Knefin. So it's by this guy in the Swedish world. And he, he basically talks about there's a couple different um, a guy in the Swedish world. I'm pretty sure he's he's Swedish. Is what I I'm like the way you said it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it sound like there's a whole other world. I could, his name's David Snowden. He might actually not be. It's named after some concept. Anyway, basically, there's a, there's kind of five different environments you can operate in. I'm only going to cover the first three. Um, there's simple environments, right, where really like cause and effect kind of are, are very straightforward. Um, an example of this is like a cashier at a grocery store, right? That cashier, they know what they're fucking doing, right? But they're in a simple domain where very clear lines of cause and effect happen. There's complicated domains where there's still clear cause and effect, but there's a lot of different layers to it. And an example of this is like an accountant, right? Accountants, there are rules, but there's a lot of rules. And so the accountant's expertise and primary skill comes from, I understand all of the rules and how they come together. And an accountant, generally speaking, in that domain, you can also know what you're doing. A lot of the people we work with, and when you suffer from imposter syndrome, are operating in what's called complex domains. And complex domains, there's not as clear cause and effect. There, it's hard to understand the laws. Inputs don't always track linearly to outputs. You can't know if I do X, then Y will happen until after you've done X. And so uh, in complex domains, it's nearly impossible to know what's actually going to happen. No one knows what they're doing. And so one thing too is to just take stock of like, well, what domain am I actually operating in? Is this a domain where really anybody knows what they're doing? And I think that goes to the point where you are, which is in many of these domains, complex knowledge work domains, entrepreneurship. Yeah, you, you can't know ahead of time. We're not operating in areas where clear logic and cause and effect happen. I like that framework. It makes a lot of sense. I like it a lot. I like it a lot because it makes me think of a topic that I know you both just love. Like for example, SEO. <laughs> they both hate it. That's why I'm talking. <laughs> we all hate it. But like, I actually think that's like a beautiful example, right? It's like, the world of SEO, you're always going to feel like an imposter because like nobody knows what's going on with SEO, but there's plenty of folks out there that are going to try to sell me a product or service that's going to be the expertise on SEO that I'm looking for. 
And so that really resonates with me overall, because I feel like when you start to play in that domain, there's going to always be individuals that are attempting to demonstrate their expertise with their one, two, three framework or approach. And it's like, that's what starts to give us this feeling of imposture. But then when you dive into it, you're like, mm, nobody really knows. Well, like if like you think about framework, if you think about the people that we work with, right? like the people who seek out coaching specifically, mm-hmm. a cashier isn't going to go to co- like hire a coach one. Cause coaches are expensive and cashiers don't make shit, which is a separate issue. But also unless the cashier is getting coaching for like career transitions, mm-hmm. right? A cashier doesn't hire a coach to be a better fucking cashier. Like that just, that isn't a thing, right? That I'm aware of. Maybe there's some like sub niche of, of that. But the reason people come to coaching is to tackle highly complex situations, goals, mm-hmm. aspirations, projects. So that will naturally skew our perception of that, right? Cause yeah, like people aren't coming to us for, for simple stuff, right? Either cause you can find an article on it or there's just not enough demand to, 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 to meet. Right. So I think that's another like layer of this topic and, and of Justin's framework is the people we work with, there's just, we're, we're skewed in, in the people that come to us or engage with the content that we put out. Yeah, I think it has to do with the complexity of the situation and the fact that it's not one size fits all either. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about, even when we jumped into this conversation, we're talking about imposter syndrome in the first, our experiences with it because of the folks that we work with are all actually pretty, pretty different from each other. And yet they're still using the same language, the same terminology. And so the process that we each take and ultimately the outcomes or the actions that the individuals take from those conversations is going to differ based on the individual the situation, the actual deeper need, the action that they want to take and how they're going to move that, that ship forward is going to look different in all these situations. Cause it's just like not one size fits all. Yeah. Ugh, and, and our own experiences, right? Like our own backgrounds mm-hmm. previous to coaching, right? Me with therapy, growing up poor, like all of that uncertainty and things, you know, whether you are a, a, you have a background as a musician, as a parent, as a, as a startup founder, or like mm-hmm. all of these other things, also play into our own approach and how we perceive and create frameworks in addition to the people we work with. So it's, it's so layered, but yeah, imposter syndrome is bullshit, but (laughs) I love Ricky, your thing of like, but it's an indicator of growth, right? So not imposter syndrome itself so much as this emotional reaction you're having to your situation. The reason you're having that can be reframed as a good thing because we only feel uncertainty or inadequacy when we are venturing into new territory and we are pushing our own growth edge. So with that, that, and again, it isn't imposter syndrome, it's the fact that you're, you're, you're pushing yourself to, to do bigger and better shit and, and, and better reach your potential. That's, and, and you're fucking terrified of it, right? So that's where the, the through line of the three of us is. I call bullshit. Ricky's like, nah, you're growing. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and Justin, you're like, nah, you're fucking afraid, right? Like that's the through line. It's bullshit. You're afraid because you're growing. <laughs> Corey. Absolutely. Put it on a mug. 
The, Put it on a coffee mug. The the one last thing I wanted to say, Ricky, which is picking off of what piggybacking off of what you said before is, yeah, another game, an end goal that I'm secretly playing with people as I'm diving into their fear around imposter syndrome is this: assuming they're in a complex domain, I kind of want to get them to wake up to the realization that they actually are the authority. Mm. Right. And I think this applies to all of us. If you're creating content, you are the authority on the content that you want to create. If you are in a career transition, you are the authority on what you want for your next step, your zones of genius, what you can do. If you're a startup founder or leader, you are the authority on your startup. And you may temporarily forget that and think these investors know better. This person knows better. And sure, maybe they have some tips for how to play the startup game but for your startup for your company you're the fucking authority and the sooner we can get you really into seeing that and into your learning process around that as opposed to looking elsewhere for the answers but into i actually had know the right the best hypotheses right now the best questions to ask and the best shot at answers and the actual best game i can play is play in my own learning process around this that's that's really sort of secretly the unlock that I'm trying to get people to around imposter syndrome is no, you are not an imposter. You are the authority on your game. And I want to get you playing in your authority. I like that too. Yeah. So it's really just about reframing it. Imposter syndrome isn't the fucking issue. There's a way to reframe it and get to the actual heart of the issue. Or the root. So I will reiterate imposter syndrome. Maybe we do still call bullshit on imposter syndrome as a concept. (laughs) Yeah. Because we, because what we, all of us, what we're doing is we're leveraging it as like the the indicator into what we're then going to do with it. So we all call bullshit on imposter syndrome. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) That happened. So. I'm noticing what I want. I'm be curious to hear just everybody's summary of like, cool. We sort of said what you think, but each person like kind of in your lane, somebody comes to you and says, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. What's kind of the game you're playing with that person in that coaching session? What are you, what are the things you're trying to uncover? Where are you trying to get them to look? I think for me, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go first. Please. I think for me, a lot of the work that I'm doing in that space is starting to understand where's the edge. Where's the edge, right? Where is the space that is actually feeling like the unknown versus the space that's feeling like the known? Because I think it actually comes back to Justin when I, when you were talking about like, you are the authority. Oftentimes when we're feeling like an imposter, 96% of it, I'm actually the authority. I'm just applying it in this different way. And then it's about choosing and picking, well, where do we need to explore? Where do we need to push ourselves further? Do we need to get additional information? Do we need to take our foot off the pedal? Do we need to push harder in that space? Do we need to get additional training, additional knowledge? Like what is going to be the thing that's going to help you feel like less of an imposter? Is it going to be taking a small risk? That's like a long-winded way to basically say, I feel like when folks come to me and that's the feeling that they're having, what we're going to do is try to uncover where is where actually is the edge of known versus unknown and of known that can actually give you a lot of comfort and excitement and ego boost 
And in the unknown, that's where we get to start to play with, well, how do we take a risk into the unknown? What information do we want? What information can we get? What support do we require? And how can we keep shifting into the unknown? Beautiful. Corey, what about you? <clears throat> so depending where they are in their creator journey, if they're newer, then I'm going to really dig into what they actually mean by imposter syndrome. Like who are, like, what are these comparison games you're playing? How can you flip that script? And again, create that balance between upward and downward social comparisons so that you can clarify, you know, your values and the content you want to create and adopt an iterative mindset to be getting better, but also tracking your progress and focusing on the people you want to help rather than the people you want to be more like, right? So like switching that, if they are a more established creator, so they have a track record for success in the creator game, then I'm going to look at, well, how specifically are you comparing yourself to, to other creators that is giving you the sense of inadequacy? Right. Cause like I know people who have hundreds of thousands or millions of, of subscribers. So we'll just, we'll use that metric who are comparing themselves to another creator with far fewer subscribers or followers, but in one specific domain, they're better. Maybe their videography skills are better or their editing or their music or the specific content they create or their fucking threads, whatever. Right. <clears throat> so if that's the case, it's like, well, you are comparing yourself to like an edge case of theirs and comparing the one thing they're better at than you versus, and, and you're neglecting all of your other strengths, right? So in that case, we would dig into creating an inventory of like all of their strengths and skill sets and, and achievements to help bolster their own self-efficacy and self-esteem so that they're like, oh damn, I'm not good in this area but I have a track record for success otherwise. So if I apply those same strengths in this domain, I will improve because my track record suggests exactly that. So doing that strengths inventory, really focusing on building up self-efficacy, which is their perception that they are capable of, of, of doing something and their self-esteem, which is their perception of, am I inherently good enough? So that's both efficacy and esteem. Yeah. Overall, that would be my approach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before I dive into mine, what I'm struck by is how, how this has kind of elucidated the exact point we wanted to make in this show, which is the, the common dialogue around a lot of these terms like imposter syndrome is here's what imposter syndrome is. And here's what you, here's the prescription. Here's the pill you can take to fix it. And what I'm finding here, even across just two people's answers, just Ricky and Corey is such different approaches and based on what's going on with somebody, such different tools to experiment with and see what moves the needle for you. And so really I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but if you're listening and you're like, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome, my, my, the thing I would invite you into is what lights up most out of what somebody's saying here for you and fucking try it. Mm -hmm. Just try it. Don't look for the evidence. Don't look for the peer backed literature because all those things are, are also guesses. See what lights up for you and try it based on what you've heard people say. So how I would approach it, there's kind of, Corey, you dropped in. There's, there's kind of two scenarios with me. The first thing I'm looking for is what are you afraid of? And so I'm trying to dive into what's the fear here that's leading to this self-doubt and the story of imposter syndrome. 
And then from there, there's a few things. There's what's the intelligence of this fear, right? Because normally, like you said, Ricky, it's pointing to we're out on a growth edge and it's inviting you to pay attention to something. So what's it inviting you to pay attention to? And then second, oftentimes, is I'm looking for a pattern that makes this thing so triggering, right? Because we can be afraid, but not super triggered by it, right? Like I can be afraid of bungee jumping, but not be triggered and decide to bungee jump anyway. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out, I'll use the two examples I did before. If somebody is getting a lot of imposter syndrome around having a hard conversation with an employee, I'm sort of looking for, oh, what's the lifelong pattern here that exists around hard conversations? What are you bringing to the conversation that makes it so bad or so hard? Mm. Or same thing, if um, somebody for the first time has to put together their startup's product roadmap, I'm looking for what's the pattern that exists here? And the pattern probably looks something like, hey, I've never done something before. Therefore, it must mean I'm bad at it and I should not even try. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm kind of trying to look for where are these patterns and where do they come from so somebody can understand this thing more fully and then give them some tools for how to play with that. Normally by actually exaggerating the pattern. And secondarily, sometimes people, if we can't get to something super specific, right? There's just this fear, this generalized imposter syndrome. There's a bunch of stuff that's showing up for them that's kind of putting them into reactivity around this. And them, similar to what Corey was saying, is I, I want to get them more centered into, hey, <clears throat> irrespective of your company and your team and all this other stuff, what do you want to be creating? Like, what do you, how do you want to be showing up? What do you want to be creating? And for that, I might do some more global purpose work to actually help them create a bit more of a stronger, like self-authored identity outside of I need to run this company and make it be more successful because then suddenly it's, Ooh, I know what it looks like for me to be on purpose. I know what it looks like for me to move through the world in the way that I want to be moving through the world. And I find that can kind of cut through a noise to the imposter syndrome. Cause suddenly I'm not comparing anymore. I'm just asking, am I living according to the purpose that I want to live? And I hadn't quite put that together. Cause normally if I do the purpose works, it's not necessarily somebody saying, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome, but there's a number of things I'm kind of looking for that I might use that to flag. Ooh, it would help if we clarified and self-authored some purpose here. Well, one fun thing you said that really stuck out was giving people tools, right? Versus, uh, versus prescribing, right? So prescription is do this one thing, take it exactly as I command and whatever versus like, a lot of times with coaching, it's about giving people tools, which is basically mm -hmm. saying, here's the thing, use and apply it as you see fit. And I, and that is much more empowering for me and just much more helpful for, for people, clients, you know, readers, viewers, whoever, that is much more helpful all around because it, it gives you the flexibility to use it as you see fit and apply it to your specific situation and adapt it rather than do you know, just do this exact thing that I tell you to do. That isn't overly helpful. It isn't as helpful as people think it is versus equipping people with tools. I think that's one of my favorite things about coaching actually is the fact that we shift into tools over prescriptive effort. And I actually, 
I do a lot of group coaching and in that space, my favorite thing to do is like, I'll, we'll be talking about a subject and I'll give a whole list of tools and I'll tell them, I'll be like, pay attention to the ones that resonate with you because that might be the first one you try and pay attention to the ones that make you mad because that should be the second one you try. And like, that's one of the things that I love, right? Because it's like, you're going to give this whole list of things and something we're going to feel really good. And I, and I still think about it. I have, I, I worked with this one individual and I had this whole, you have to fill out this form before you work with me. And he told me, he was like, right. and every time I get the form, the form's so mad. And he's like, I hate filling out the form. And that's why I do it. <laughs> I was like, I love that. It was like, the, I was like, you know, you can just like not fill out the form. Some people don't fill it out. And he was like, I hate it. So I fill it out. And I was like, I love your energy. And so I've held on to that because of that individual. Just hate do it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. If there's some anger there, it's meaning you don't want that tool to work. So fucking try it. Fucking do it. Um, the one other thing, the one <laughs> other game, Ricky, you say in group coaching, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, uh -huh. here's one other thing I'd invite you to play with. And this is from my experience running mastermind groups. Find mm -hmm. someone else who has the same fucking problem you do mm -hmm. and coach them on it. Yep. Find someone else with the same exact issue and practice just listening very deeply to them describe the issue, practice challenging them on how they're seeing the world, really practice coaching them. And then afterwards, listen to what you said and mm -hmm. see if you can swallow it. And if you can swallow it, beautiful, go do it. And if you can't swallow it, similar to, similar to what Ricky looked at. What can't you swallow out of what you said to the other person? Because that's where your block is. That's your mm. edge. I like that. Yep. And I can't tell you how often founders and leaders, if you put them in a group and, and one of them is having a problem and the other one is and they coach them on it, how afterwards they go, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. There it we is. We love dishing out advice. <laughs> we hate taking it, yeah, especially we, when it's our own. And we love seeing the blockers of others. Mm -hmm. And we love to confuse ourselves around our own blockers. Mm -hmm. So go do it to somebody else and you'll almost always get that mirror for yourself. It'll like help it. you get out of your own fucking way. Truth. Which is what all this is. You are in your own fucking <laughs> way. True. Like spoiler <laughs> alert for the majority of fucking shows. You're in your own fucking way. The call is coming it. from inside the house. <laughs> That's it. It's not other people. It's your own fucking narrative and shit. Your own fucking baggage. I mean, hold on. Let's take it. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Debbie down for a second, which is like, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like some ridiculous privilege, systematic issues, the patriarchy. But sometimes it's just the calls coming from inside the house. I want to be real. I don't want to, I don't want to just have like a one note on that. It, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's always you. Because that's like the individualistic approach to everything. That it's like, you know what? Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You'll be fine. It's like, all right, you know what would also be nice? Like healthcare. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. That's how I feel. Yes, caveats with an, with an asterisk. You're always in your own fucking way. True. Asterisk. Yeah, I like that. I think what I would say is there's always a benefit to inspecting how am I in my own way. And not, sure. not asking am I right? Cause then you could say, Oh no, maybe not. There's always benefit to assuming in some way I am in my own way here. And what is it? What's the way that yes. I'm in my own way? I, like I that. literally on my computer desk right in front of me have two post-it notes that just stay there. And one of them says, stop overcomplicating it. 
So anytime I'm like, oh, this is fucking what I look at that. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Stop overcomplicating it. <laughs> if anybody was wondering what it's like to work with Corey. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm very no bullshit. Stop overcomplicating it. <laughs> yep, I'm very no bullshit. Very blunt. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Um, does anybody else have anything that they want to say, or is alive for them before we wrap our conversation on imposter syndrome? Wrap it, wrap it, wrap it. Cool. So for closeout, because we're human beings, and because this conversation is not meant to calcify us or anybody listening more in their beliefs but instead have some expansion what we're going to play and if you're listening i'll invite you to play is around this topper topic of imposter syndrome mm -hmm. from today's conversation what are you more convinced of i think this is more i even more believe this is true what are you maybe less convinced of and or what's a new perspective or did you change your mind on something around imposter syndrome. I'm actually happy to hop in first here. Do sure. um, <clears throat> I'll start new perspective. I'm noticing there's a little bit less of an ick and a little bit more of an appreciation for the intelligence of imposter syndrome pointing to something. Um, so I appreciate that from you, Ricky, I, I am more convinced of even more convinced that, yeah, this, this the thing you said, Corey, which is like, it, it's, there's fear, bullshit, you're afraid. And I forget what Ricky's point was, but that kind of growth edge. Yeah. Where's the growth edge here that <laughs> even more convinced, Hey, what's really going on a lot of the time is bullshit. You're afraid. Where's the growth edge. Um, the question is, is there anything I'm less convinced of? I think one thing that I'm, I'm more open to in the recent, this recent journey of coaching, I'm really into like, what's going on in your context, what's going on inside of you around this. And I think what, what I heard from both of you is there are some really powerful reframes that are available here. And I think I'm less convinced that it always has to be in this feeling, what's your pattern? And that there really is some benefit of simply reframing, right? Like, hey, are you making this imposter syndrome a bad thing? Does it, does it have to be a bad thing? And uh, Corey, what you said, which is, um, who are you comparing yourself to? And can we actually generate some appreciation for where you are in your journey? I think I'm, I'm, less convinced that those things can't be helpful here and can see context where it's like, Oh, those are actually really useful tools for people on their journey. For me, it is the conversation has been an overall expansion and elaboration on my own reasoning. So I am thankful for the discussion. I don't disagree with anything you'll say one, because it makes sense. Two, because given our respective contexts, things are going to differ. And three, because y'all are awesome and deep thinkers. So I know your reasoning's fucking sound. That's it. I think more convinced of. I think I agree with Corey and Justin. Like, I feel like this was a little bit more of an expansion, which is that playing it 
a lot of the work that I have thought about and previously, you know, we end up doing a lot of what we all shared in this conversation. I feel like as we're talking, we're like, Oh yeah, I do that too. I do that too. But there's kind of this, like the, what is the direct route that you take when this comes up in conversation? And I think that was what was really interesting that I got a little bit challenged on, which was this idea of, you know, for me, it's this idea of, Oh, we can reframe it. It can be a growth edge. We can play there. But from Corey, I heard a lot more about this upward downward comparison and how that could be a component here. Justin, I was hearing a lot more about like, recognizing pattern recognition and like, what's the deeper element behind those details. And so I think that I'm with Corey, that it's it's a little bit of an expansion of recognizing that the entry point of what you do when we hear imposter syndrome, there's even more tools to play with, which is very, 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 very fun. Is there anything that I'm less convinced of? No. I wonder if there will be an instance where I'm like less convinced of something. Maybe I'll become less convinced of something that I personally think and change my mind, but not yet. Not yet. This one I think was just, we're, we're all a little bit in agreement. We come in a little, a little harsh with it in the beginning with some bullshit calling and some like, fuck yeah calling. But like overall, I think we're there. That's what happens when I'm the opener. Damn straight. (laughs) That just makes me want to have you open every time, Corey. I'm scared. Bullshit. Bullshit. I call bullshit on every single turn. Corey, what do you bullshit? I call bullshit. I call bullshit. Uh, Those will be the two the two themes in every episode. Is it's it'll start with bullshit and it'll end with it's you. The phone is (laughs) the call is from inside the house. Bullshit. It's it's your fucking fault. You're getting your own goddamn way. You're in every single time. Uh, Amazing. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> All right. It. I think with that, are we, are we ready to wrap? Yep. Let's do ready it. to wrap. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Kills everybody.